1.25 mile run. Why do some people look so cute when they run? I mean, I've got my... Move, bitch, get out of my fucking way! It's Black Mystery Month! All right, so like I told you before, today's episode was specifically about the editor and creative collaboration of the inventors of Ebony and Jet Magazine. Um, his name was actually John H. Johnson. He was born January the 19th of 1918. He was born in Arkansas. And, um, you know, he of course died august the 8th of 2005 so he was a total of 87 years old in chicago illinois let's go from where he started and where he basically went to so like i stated before he was actually born to a mother and father by the name of gertrude and leroy jenkins okay they both were uh together and unfortunately by the time that mr johnson was six his father actually died in a sawmill accident and johnson was just only raised by his mother and stepfather okay johnson attended an overcrowded segregated elementary school um which that is where his love of education and research actually came from he loved learning so much he repeated the eighth grade rather than discontinuing his education as there were no african-american uh high schools in arkansas city um so what they ended up doing is they took a visit their mother took a visit to chicago's world fair and then decided that there was more opportunity in the north than the south okay facing poverty and everything on the south side of arkansas during the great depression was definitely not the move so what they ended up doing is they moved to chicago illinois in 1933 to try and find um work and um to continue Mr. Johnson's education. Johnson ended up entering an all-black school, uh, Wendell Phillips High School in 1933, while his mother and stepfather would go and look for work. Of course, they were unsuccessful, and he was also as helpful as well because he went to look for work for after school and or during the summertime. Again, they weren't successful but it's okay they eventually made it through because they applied for welfare and it kind of sort of helped them out over the two years that they were there um eventually johnson's stepfather finally was able to obtain work with the wpa which is works progress administration and then johnson himself ended up finding a job as well with the national youth administration um john was teased a lot in school because of his raggedy clothes and his country ways and you know he never really knew that middle class blacks actually was something that was a thing um what ended up happening is his classmates at du sable high school and i'm probably saying that wrong i feel like i am and it's okay um when he went there for his junior and his senior year his classmates would include but not limited to nat king cole red fox and future entrepreneur william william abernathy i had to make sure i had to look at the name like eh, what <laughs> 
this was only fuel for him to basically be determined to make something of himself um, because Johnson's high school career was distinguished by the leadership uh, qualities uh, he demonstrated as student council president and as editor of the school newspaper and class yearbook. He attended the high school during the day and studied self-improvement books at night. Okay, after he graduated with honors in 1936, he was offered tuition and he was offered a tuition scholarship to the University of Chicago, but he thought that uh, he would have to decline it because he knew that he had no way to pay for other expenses outside of tuition. So because of his achievements in high school, Johnson was invited to speak at a dinner that was held by the Urban League when Harry Prince was the president and president of the Supreme Life Insurance Company heard Johnson's speech and he was definitely impressed by this man. Um, what he ended up doing is he offered Johnson a job so that he would be able to use the scholarship um, to the University of Chicago. Johnson began as a office boy at the Supreme Life within two years, had became a pieces assistant. Um, his introduction, preparing a monthly digest of newspaper articles with helping him from the publisher, Madame Du Bois. Johnson began to wonder if other people in the community might not enjoy the same type of service. He convinced of the publication to do a pattern of Reader's Digest, um, which he initially called it something else. Now, the Reader's Digest was something of the white culture So, of course, we had to do anything to make it our own. Mr. Johnson actually came up with the idea to have it be called the Negro's Digest, which occurred to him, it began to seem like a black gold mine. Johnson stated that in his autobiography, Succeeding Against the Odds, he remained enthusiastic even though he was discouraged on all sides from doing so. Only his mother, a woman from this biblical faith, and basically she just, she was super duper religious as fuck. But she also believed in her son. Um, So to support his vision, she allowed him to use her furniture as collateral for a $500 loan. And he used that to basically publish his first edition of Negro's Digest in 1942. Johnson had a problem with distribution until he teamed up with someone by the name of Joseph Lawry. Um, a magazine distributor who was impressed by him. Okay, Levy provided the valuable marketing tips and opening the doors that allowed the new digest to reach newsstands in other urban centers. Within six months, circulation had reached 50,000 people this publication covered african-american history literature art culture and issues 
after several decades of publication, its name was changed to Black World. Now, although the Negro's Digest uh, was a success and its height and everything, it just became more of a from 50,000 people uh, or readers and subscribers to 100,000 people were actually getting into this Negro's Digest. Now, basically, it was doored by by Johnson's publication, Ebony, which was so popular that its initial run of 25,000 copies easily sold out, okay? This article's, I mean, I'm sorry. The articles in Ebony, which were designed to look like those in Life or Look Magazine, emphasized the actual achievements of successful African Americans. Photo essays were current events and articles about race, relations, anything that involved basically our culture which again that's what kind of sort of made me excited about ebony um so this magazine was okay so basically johnson expanded the reporting to include issues such as the white problem in america okay something that is not new today but it was heavily publicated by his magazine back then. So, um, professional historians were recruited for the magazine staff so that the contribution of African Americans to be the history of the United States could be acquitted and documented by us. Oh, kind of like boo boo for us by us. <laughs> African-American models were used in these magazines advertisement um, with the efforts to portray positive aspects of African-American culture, life, and um, the things that we do on an everyday basis. Everything in the magazines was to address African-American consumers. Johnson maintained that Ebony's success and basically he was due to have this positive image of the African-American offered in an everyday magazine. Um, in about 1951, Johnson launched Tan, a true confession type of magazine. In 1951, Jet, a weekly news digest, began. Later publications include African American stars, and then he included Ebony Jr., a children's magazine. Although all the magazines achieved a measurable success none were able to compete with ebony which its 40th year of publication had a an amount beyond fucking numbers okay this is a lot and basically johnson considered he was considered one of the 400 richest individuals in the united states as african-american back then that was something that you couldn't buy okay that was a big thing so one of johnson's most 
notable issues of jet was september the 15th 1955 this issue um in which he published a picture of chicago's youth emmett Till, mutilated body after it it had arrived in the chicago from the mississippi river people considered uh johnson's uh discussion to this publication till's photograph his greatest moments Michigan's congressman um, Charles Diggins recalled that given the emotional images stimulated, it was probably one of the greatest media productions in the 40 or 50 years that he's ever had. Now, of course, Mr. Johnson, he went on to do other publications, um, which he owned Fashion Fair Cosmetic, which is the world's number one uh, makeup and skin care company for women of color, and Supreme Beauty Products, uh, which is hair care for women and men of color. Um, he also was involved in television production and produced a Ebony Fashion Fair, the world's largest traveling fashion show, which has donated over $47 million in charity. The show visited more than 200 cities in the United States. They also did Canada, Caribbean, um, and so much more. Johnson's publication also has a book division, which employees more than 2,600 people were uh, 2,600 people with sales over 388 million. Uh, Johnson actually purchased a radio station, started a book publishing company and a television production company and served on the board as directors of several businesses, including the Greyhound Company that we know and sometimes travel today. In 2019, the remaining assets of Johnson's published company were sold as a part of a Chapter 7 bankruptcy proceeding, which that's definitely not good. I wish that was one of the any pieces of property of this man, I feel like should be a monumental uh, situation where it doesn't get touched, period, by anybody. But, you know, you know how people do. No telling. But anyway, let's get back into Ebony because Ebony was the main focus of this man, Mr. Johnson, his story. Um, This Ebony magazine would be filled with cover to cover um, African-American public figures such as Dorothy Dandruff, Lena Horne, Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, former... Uh, U.S. Senator Carol uh, Mosley, Illinois' First Lady, Michelle Obama, Beyonce, Tyrese Gibson, um, and Tyler Perry. So each year, Ebony selects the 100 most influential blacks in America. After 71 years in June of 2016, Johnson's Publish sold both Ebony and Jet to another Johnson's publication to a private equity firm called Clearview Group. This new publisher is known as Ebony's Media Corporation. After the publication went bankrupt in July of 2020, it was purchased for $14 million 
by Junior Bridge in December of 2020. Now, this person who actually purchased the rights to Ebony Magazine, um, Ulysses Lee Jr., he was born September the 17th, 1953. He is also an American. It don't say he black. It, okay. It don't say he black. It just say he American. That kind of scares me a little bit. Okay. So, I'm just going to assume. Okay. So, he was... I don't know. He's a basketball player from the information that I'm looking at right now. But he's a a basketball player. And it looks like his people are basketball players. But mind you, I have no fucking picture of him. But we'll see. So, I know... It was a lot of information, and I try to make it short and sweet as much as possible. But what I will say is this. I love my heritage. I don't care what nobody say and what nobody feel about it. Like, being black is fucking awesome. And then I always have to say it's going to be a beautiful day on the south side of GA. And before I actually sign off, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you feel like that there is someone else that made some type of influential um, contribution to the African-American culture, please do not hesitate to hit me up. Holler at me. You know what I'm saying? Slide in my DM and tell me, I feel like you should do an episode on this person. And you should do an episode on this person. (laughs) but let me know i'm very open um i'm only doing the things that i feel like were you know receptive of the african-american culture so if you don't know and uh hopefully you will know my name is j-o-e and another day for another dollar